Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. So thankful to have this opportunity to be with you, and we're thankful that you tune in and listen. We know that many people listen to Search the Scriptures every day, or close to it at least. Many others listen very frequently, but they can't get to it every single day. And then there are others who listen as they have the opportunity through their busy schedules, they pick it up here and there when they can because of work situations or whatever the case might be. Then there are always new listeners. We're thankful for you in an extra special way. Not any more so than our regular listeners, but in an extra special way because you're listening for the first time or the first few times. And our prayer is that as you listen, continue to listen on a regular basis, you will quickly come to realize that we do exactly as the name of the program suggests. We search the scriptures. We dig deep into God's word. We look at it beneath the surface and try to explain it in depth and in detail, but at the same time, in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your daily life. We want to help you come closer to God. Now, that comes by getting into his word. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And the more you get into God's word, the stronger your faith ought to become. And the stronger your faith ought to become, the closer to God you ought to come. And ultimately, it ought to lead you to come to God through Jesus Christ for forgiveness and salvation. Repenting of your sins, Luke 13 and verse 3. Confessing your faith in Christ as God's Son and your Lord and Savior, Matthew 10, 32 and 33. And surrendering to him in baptism, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross will cleanse you of the guilt of your sins, Acts 2 and verse 38. Acts 22 and verse 16, and you will be saved spiritually. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, you'll be in Christ. Romans 6 and verse 3, and Galatians 3 and verse 27. You'll be born again, as Jesus told Nicodemus must happen. Born of the water and the spirit. John 3, verses 3 through 5. Made new from a spiritual perspective. Become a new creation spiritually. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Continue to study with us. Continue to be with us. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, then come and be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. We're located at 3606 North 108th Street. 3606 North 108th Street. Our Bible classes begin every Sunday morning at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30, and our midweek Bible classes each Wednesday evening at 6.30. You're welcome to any and all of these services, and we hope you will come. More and more people come and check us out, and many of those stay with us and keep studying, worshiping, and growing spiritually with us. We hope that you'll come and be a part that you will continue to study with us. Ask any questions you might have. Make any observations. We simply try to be the church that we all read about in the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. And we encourage you to go to our website and tell everybody else you can to do the same at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the home page to our podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. It'll only take you about a minute, and it is free and will always be free. We're not after anybody's wallet. We want to help people get to heaven. When you sign up for our podcasting, whichever smart device you choose of your own, your smartphone, computer, laptop, 
pad, tablet, whatever it might be, you will automatically receive Search the Scriptures every day. Our radio program, five days a week, will automatically go to your smart device. But more than that, you receive a great daily, seven-day-a-week, short, about a 13-minute Bible study every day called Today's Bible Class. And you'll receive all of our sermons and all of our Sunday morning Bible class and Wednesday night Bible class. All of that will automatically go to your smart device on a regular basis, and it will be free. You can also access hundreds of sermons on our website, and many of those are now posted on, in video format as well as audio format. And you can access hundreds of scripturally-based articles that you can download, read through, study through, and benefit from. We hope you'll take advantage. Churchofchrist.com We're going to get back into our study talking about the existence of God. Does it make sense to believe in God? Well, of course it does. Not just because I say so, but because of the compelling evidence of God's existence. We're looking at this particular study in sections, and we're looking at it from a logical or analytical perspective. We're putting off to the end of this particular study. The very last section is going to be dealing with the scientific evidence of God's existence. Now, that would fly in the face of a whole lot of people who's, who think that it's not scientific to believe in God. It absolutely is. We'll talk about that again in the very last segment of this, of this series. But right now, and for several of these sections or segments, we're looking at it from points of logic, of logical reasoning, and compelling analytical evidence that God does exist, that God is the creator, that God is our heavenly de designer. The first of these points of logic and analytical reasoning is morality. The very existence of morality points to God. In fact, it is compelling evidence of God's existence. Because you see, how do you explain morality without God? Silence? No answer? Well, you see, there is no answer without God. As we've emphasized, morality cannot be a product of human design because we're all over the place. And you talk to 50 or 100 different people, they're going to have different opinions of morality if you just leave it up to them. And their opinions will change with time. You see, we're all, we're all over the place, and our positions or our opinions change with the wind. But there is basic morality that we all recognize. Murder is immoral. Stealing is immoral. Cheating people is immoral. We even understand basically that lying is immoral. Although a lot of people violate that position of morality on a pretty regular basis. But we understand it's immoral. Well, where does morality come from? There has to be a moral lawgiver for morality to exist. And that moral lawgiver is God. 
Now, we've looked at a number of scripture texts that point to God as the moral lawgiver. Let's move on. We look at Proverbs chapter 3. I want to make a contrast here. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning with verse 5, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. The wise man will seek God's wisdom to guide his life. And that wisdom will be a guide in a moral direction. Because God is totally moral, totally righteous, absolutely good. There is no unrighteousness or immorality within God. We struggle with morality, but God is completely moral. The wise man is going to look to God for that moral instruction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, the contrast we find in Proverbs chapter 5, beginning with verse 21. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. That is, God ponders, he examines, he notices, he looks at all of the ways of mankind, each individual. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Well, you see, the wise man looks to God for guidance as to morality, as to right and wrong. The foolish man, by contrast, will ignore God and all of God's instructions and follow his own path to his ultimate self-destruction. You see the difference between wisdom and foolishness. We need God's guidance. We need to know the right way to live because otherwise we're going down a path of self-destruction, utter destruction. Now, look at the contrast between a person who plots his own course. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 and 6. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man, and that is exclusively in man, and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, and shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. Oh my. <laughs> Talk about the pathway of foolishness, the pathway of a person who tries to just do his own thing, his own way on an ongoing basis. Well, we've talked about that in the past, haven't we? And we've probably all known people, and maybe we can look back in our own personal history and recognize times in our lives, personally, when we just were so hard-headed or narrow-minded in our focus that we thought we could do it all by ourselves. We knew best, but we've probably known people in our lives 
who we observed, maybe someone close to us, maybe a loved person, a loved one. And we saw them, we observed them continuing to make the same kinds of mistakes in their lives over and over and over again and suffer consequences as a result over and over and over again. Now, just from a point of logical reasoning, we would think that person ought to learn the lesson somewhere along the line, but they never seem to learn the lesson. They just keep doing the same things over and over and over again, and it causes them the same kind of problems over and over and over again. Maybe we've actually tried to talk to them about it, but they throw up their hand. I, I, I don't want to hear it. No, I know better. I can do this. And so there's basically no reasoning with them, and you have to let them go ahead and make the same mistakes over again and suffer the same kinds of consequences. That's foolishness, isn't it? That's a person who tries, insists on plotting his own course without anyone else's guidance. Parents try to help their little children, and then their children as they get older, even in their teenage years, they try to help them see the wisdom of taking a particular course of action or direction in their lives because the parents can look back and realize, I made that mistake. I don't want you to make it yourself. Or I've known people in life who have made that mistake. I, I, I've seen what happened to them. I don't want you to suffer those consequences. God wants to guide us in those ways, in the ways of righteousness, but in the ways of, of morality because ultimately that is the best way for us. So here's, here's the person who insists on plotting his own course through life, and boy, does he suffer for it. Won't turn to God, won't read his word, won't listen to people who try to reason with him from a godly point of view. And then here is the person, by contrast, who sets his course through life by God's guidance. Verses 7 and 8. Of Jeremiah 17. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Now, do you see the contrast? The person who will not turn to God for guidance, that foolish person, he's like a shrub in the desert. He's not going to see when good comes. He's going to inhabit parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. But the person who looks to God for guidance on a consistent basis, oh, he's blessed. He trusts in the Lord. He has hope because he is trusting in the Lord and looking to God for his guidance. He's going to be like a tree planted by the waters. So even during drought, he's still going to be nourished. Still going to be nourished. His, that, that tree, the leaves are going to stay green and continue to bear fruit. The two contrasting mindsets. The two contrasting mindsets. Is there a law of morality that we find in God's word? Absolutely. 
No question about it. Clear as a bell, so to speak. We turn to Galatians chapter 5. And we begin reading with verse 16. Notice the contrast again. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. In other words, they're at odds with one another. We're either walking by the spirit, that is by the guidance of God's word, the Bible, or we're walking by our own feelings, the lust of the flesh, they don't go together. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelry, and the like. We're talking about lifestyles that bespeak, that evidence immorality. Now, what's the result of that? Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, those things contradict God's law of morality. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. Now that goes with morality. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We also look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You see, we do not, in our cultural mindset right now, we buck against restrictions. Pretty much, we want everything to be okay. Just about everything, anyway. But there is a law of morality. And God tells us that morality requires recognition of sin, of immorality. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 9, the Apostle Paul is writing to Christians who came out of lifestyles of immorality and into the moral life of Christianity. Notice, beginning with verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Sounds like what we just read in Galatians chapter 5, doesn't it? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, some people would say, well, how can, you, how can you just turn away from all of that? How, surely you're going to be involved in some of that. No, you don't have to. It's a choice. It's a personal choice. In verse 11, he goes on and says, he's writing this to Christians now. He says, and such were some of you. That is before you became Christians. And such were some of you. But... You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus 
and by the Spirit of our God. They had changed their lives. They had come to God and taken up a lifestyle of his morality. They became Christians. They turned away from evil. They turned away from immorality. They turned away from sinfulness. And they became Christians. They took up a lifestyle of righteousness, of godliness, of following his pathway, his ways, living for him and his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We drop down to verse 18 in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we read further. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. Now flee what? Sexual immorality. A lot of people don't like that concept, do they? They want to be able to do whatever they want to do sexually. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality, sexual immorality, sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to God. God wants us to live the life of morality, sexual and in every other aspect of our lives, this life of morality. He gives us that guidance, and he gives us those guidelines through his word. Again, you were created in God's image. Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27. He created you with a moral compass, a conscience, unique to mankind. You and I, we need to live in a way that demonstrates that uniqueness. And that is that we need to live by the moral standard that God has laid out for us in his word. God is the moral lawgiver. For morality to exist, there has to be a moral lawgiver. Without God, there is no morality. God is the moral lawgiver. We'll finish this study, this section of this study, next time. Let's pray. God, guide us as to morality and help us to live moral lives according to your moral standards and help us to be standard uh, examples of morality to everyone around us, we pray. Please forgive us, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.